Today is Saturday, August 2nd, 2008, and this is Radio Wave. Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you for joining us on this broadcast of Radio Wave. Our host is a friend of Medjugorje. And today, topic of discussion will be uh, on Mariana's apparition that she received earlier today. Mariana, on the second of every month, uh, goes before Our Lady on behalf of all non-believers. And Our Lady gave uh, Mariana a message today that we will be discussing with a friend of Medjugorje. And with that discussion, we will also be discussing the uh, what we had sent to you, those of you members of the Medj list and those of you who were notified through Medj.com, that uh, the discussion will be on the rapidly coming end of our age. And uh, there will be very um, revealing secular and scientific information that uh, supports what Our Lady has been telling us over the last 27 years, especially in regard to the secrets. And uh, hopefully you will leave this show with a clearer insight of the purpose of the secrets and the results that will be caused by uh, their release. And so uh, with that, we turn Radio Wave over to our host, a friend of Medjugorje. We'd like to welcome everybody tonight to our show, and thank you for welcoming us into your homes. We uh, count it as a privilege to be able to do what we do and to be uh, so close to the events of Medjugorje. And our whole go and thrust is not to be sitting there for our own self. Used to, I take people to Medjugorje in there. Uh, on the trips when I was running the tr- our pilgrimages, and they would always say, "Oh, I don't want to leave. I don't want to go home. I want to. I want to. I want to live here." And I never had that desire in my heart because instantly I knew this was not the path of Our Lady. When I began to really look into the message, that she wanted you to go back home and make your homes like Medjugorje. That the concept of Medjugorje is not a village in in and of itself. Uh, the village itself has changed in in dramatic ways, not always for the good. And with that, uh, <clears throat> it's got to carry o- over. You know, it's just like Jesus when he was talking about his kingdom. It's not something he was establishing in a physical way, but in the heart. And so Medjugorje is a physical place. It is a place that's chosen. It is an extraordinary place, which our lady herself has chosen for the renewal of the whole world. Spiritual rebirth for our second Pentecost. With that said, it's not supposed to stay there. It's got to be exported to the rest of the world, and you're to bring it to your home. And... That's what we've done here. So for us to be sitting where we sit, we always count as a blessing and a, and a privilege. But you can have the same thing. And your home's to be Medjugorje. Your way of life is to be Medjugorje because it's the only way of life of the future. Our Lady's not coming without giving us future. And she's not coming to give us future without showing us a way to do that. 
And that was one of the things she, she mentioned this morning, that the way is opening up. What is the way? So we'll begin with prayer, and then we'll go right into the message reading it, and we'll go a little bit more into that. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. May we know that your words are always beyond what we first can reflect upon. They speak to us instantly, but also tomorrow and the next, and even years from now. And so it is with these thoughts and what you've taught us through these 27 years that you help us to grasp this message. That even though so many have said that you say the same thing and she just repeats herself, that we have tired ourselves from hearing from these people that think this, that have this mentality, that we know that you're saying much more than just coming down to the earth and being repetitious. But we know, too, that you said that you must pray to comprehend my message. You must pray to understand the profoundness of my message. And so it is tonight, that's what we ask of you, that we hear that, that we speak that, and that you enter our hearts. Amen. So, Joan, why don't you go ahead and just start off reading the message off right off the bat. Our Lady Queen of Peace of Medjugorje's August 2nd, 2008 message to Mariana. Dear children, in my coming to you, here among you, the greatness of God is reflected, and the way with God to eternal joy is opening. Do not feel weak, alone, or abandoned. Along with faith, prayer, and love, climb to the hill of salvation. May the Mass, the most exalted and most powerful act of your prayer, be the center of your spiritual life. Believe and love, my children. Those whom my Son chose and called will help you in this as well. To you and to them especially, I give my motherly blessing. Thank you. So we have yet again Our Lady come and give it a message. And the second messages are having more and more of an exciting character to them and that she's saying things that Our Lady hasn't said in the way that she says them. So um, you can look at a little sweet message, but Our Lady says a lot here. Uh, Dear children, I am coming to you. And I found that fascinating that she gave a message in the 80s that she says, uh, I'm from the people. I'm like you. And it's through you that she's going to renew the world. She said that. It's through you that I wish to renew the, the world. And you are the church. And this is all reaffirmed in this message. But then she goes on, in my coming to you, she says, here among you. Our Lady's not there as an apparition. Our Lady's not there uh, in some kind of vision. Our Lady is physical present in her glorified body. The people that's present in the apparition with Mariana can't see her, but that doesn't change anything. For us that have been with Medjugorje, for you that know about it, Our Lady there is physically. They see her. They see her. They see her breathe. I don't know how you breathe in heaven, but they they see these characters of of her human transfigured body. She's physically there. They touch her. They talk to her. They can hear her. And it's just like Peter, James, and John saw Jesus on Mount Tabor. He was there in his glorified future resurrected body. Minus the wombs, perhaps. But still, this is how they see and what they see every single day. And this is why Ivanka was told no one in the world 
is receive the graces you and your brothers and sisters have received. Every single day for 27 years, these visionaries who still see her daily and those who see her annually, or Marianne who sees her on the second of the month, see her in a profound way that nobody in the world has ever seen. I'm not saying St. Catherine didn't see her that way, but we're experiencing a, a Mount Tabor apparition or, or physical appearance of Jesus being trans, transformation experience for these these visionaries. So visionary or apparitions, this weakens this. And Our Lady emphasizes that they called our attention to this. I am coming to you. Why does she need to add the words? Has she got nothing better to say than add useless words here among you? Well, if she's coming to us and we know apparition, why does she say that? Except she wants you to understand. I, the people, I'm among you, the people. I am with you. I'm with you in a profound way. And if you understand that profoundness of my being with you, I'm among the people. I'm among you. And then she says, the greatness of God is reflected and the way of God to eternal joy is opening. So in my coming to you, here among you, the greatness of God is reflected. Why? Because we don't deserve this. There is no way that we at this point in time in our history and what we've lived in the last decades deserve the mother of God to come to the earth and be among us. We just don't deserve it. What it does show is the greatness of God. It is reflected in these apparitions because how in the world could we ever merit this? We don't have any merit for this. There's nothing. There's nothing God owes us. He already, he already had his son murdered for our sake. And now he's sending Mary after all that to be among us. And you can only say that the, the greatness of God's love is so immense because this is nothing. Nothing but incalculable mercy. Infallible mercy. We can't understand that. And like I said, you don't understand the greatness of my, of my coming. And so here it is. She says, in my coming, God is reflected. God's greatness, rather, is reflected. And so we have something so huge on a, on a scale of man's life on his history of the earth that we're into a, a category, a particular time, we've never experienced something like this before. 27 years of Our Lady being amongst us. And so I think these are profound words here among you. Don't miss that in this message, that she wants you to understand that she's really with us. She walks with us. She's watching us. And she's actually even said in Medjugorje to Mariana on one of her annual apparitions, March 18th, probably in the early 90s, I don't know the exact year, that uh, even when she's no longer here, she's, her eyes and ears will be still with, you know, she'll be watching us. So what does that say? That says that God is elevating Mary to a new position in her work upon the earth. It's not that she hasn't always had the influence or the, the, the intercessory power, but there's something being given to Our Lady, her 2000th birthday when that happened, and we got a birthday of Our Lady coming up Tuesday. We got the vigil be Monday. And so uh, Our Lady was, for the earth and its knowledge and its awareness of who she is, has been preserved. Yes, we've always had the Louis de Montfort's. We've always had the people that talk about Mary and the greatness of who she is. But we're hearing things and not going to understand things through these apparitions that wasn't in even their scope of understanding. So when 
we've got to see that through these apparitions, God's greatness is reflected. And then our lady says, and to read it in the context of the whole message, in my coming to you here among you, the greatness of God is reflected and the way of God to eternal joy is opening. The way, that's what we call our rule. We, in fact, I think there's a, something posted. I haven't seen it on the site. Uh, part of the rules I was asked about this morning. I said, yeah, you could, because you, you, we never published that. But our rule is not, for our community, it's not a rule. It's a way of life. And we call it the way in a new time. That's the name of our, what we live by in our community. The way in a new time. Our lady says, and the way of God to eternal joy is opening. So the way is the way that in this new time that we live in, God's allowing our lady to come to show us how to live in, in this way. You know, this is all new to us. This, 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 uh, uh, this system of economics, the system of technology, the system of advancements that we've been underneath the last uh, hundred years, and in particular since the 60s and 70s, with the technology really catapulted and taken off, this is all new in, in trying to apply the scriptures for Christians to this kind of life. And Maria once said to me that Our Lady's messages are for today's man, to show him how to live today uh, according to the scriptures. You know, how, how, do you, how do you have the interferences that we have on a daily basis and the, the, the mass confusion, the, the distractions, the speed of which everything's traveling, the mobility, everything happening? How do you do that and apply the Bible verse about... A man plowing with his oxen. Our Lady's messages are the bridge from that period of time in the scriptures the way they wrote to this modern time to show us how to live the way. And that's opening. And what it's going to open to is eternal joy. So Our Lady says God is reflected in the way with God to eternal joy is opening. So this, this first sentence is a lot could be missing this very quickly. I was very excited when I saw that. You know, but when you when you see this and we've grown so accustomed to to the way of society today, which is not the way of God. You can't say the way we're traveling is the way of God. People, uh, when I would speak to them about the messages in the 80s and 90s, say, well, you know, you're being a little bit too much about the dark side of things. We'll get into some of that tonight. You know, now nobody doesn't see this now. Almost everybody sees it that we, we're in a dark time, very dark time. Well, you know, we got this progress, the answer is, and we got this. Well, we'll talk about that tonight. But Our Lady, in seeing this, realizes that when she starts showing us the way to turn joy, what do we feel? We feel overwhelmed. When you're overwhelmed that you've been doing something, you've been trying to struggle against something, or if you're trying to go out to the waves in the ocean, they keep beating you down, you get weak. You get tired. And Our Lady says that. Do not feel weak. Weak about what? Of this way that she's given to us, it's going to lead to eternal joy that's opening up right now. If you keep doing that, you're going to be all alone. You're going to feel all alone. And she says that. Do not feel weak, alone, or abandoned. Many people say, I feel like I'm all alone. We've heard this for years in the Medjugorje movement. I'm all alone. I don't know anybody. I can't share anything with anybody. I'm abandoned almost. And a lady goes on and says, along with faith, prayer, and love, climb the hill of salvation. There's your three parallels. We often see in all these messages, and I don't want to turn in like we're lecturing about this message. I want you to get the feel of this. I want you to be able to look at the message in a new way. 
to see him how we, we go through the message, how I read it, how I want to apply this to my life. Because I felt that those times I was weak. I felt alone. I felt abandoned. And the three parallels is if you're weak, what do you need? You need more faith. That's in the next sentence. And if you're alone, what always drives loneliness away? Prayer, because you're with God. And if you feel abandoned, if you know you're loved and you understand God's love, you're never abandoned. So she says, do not feel weak, alone, or abandoned. Then she says, along with faith, weak, weak faith. If you've got strong faith, you won't feel weak. You'll be strengthened. Uh, prayer, you won't be alone. Love, in that sentence, you won't be abandoned. Climb the hill of salvation. And here we see also with the whole context of what we just read is this, this theme that they keep speaking to Mariana, specifically, about this life is passing as a flower. Climb the hill of salvation. Because salvation is going to be, that's, that's, that's what we're here on earth for. We're here for this life, not to go play golf, not to put your uh, kids in a soccer tournament, not to get your education. You're not here to get married. You're not here for any of these things that you think. That's not what you're put on a life for. That's not to say those things can't happen. It's supposed to. It's part of life. What I'm saying is that you're here for one purpose. In the midst of being married, in the midst of being educated, in the midst of doing whatever you do with your children and your spouses, you're here for the purpose to see where you will spend eternity. So the things that, that, that preoccupy us in our life and what we do in our occupations or whatever they may be, vocations, what you want to do, what you want to do to save the earth, who, who knows what. None of that is important in the end except the way you do it is the test to see where you're going to spend eternity. That's why you're here upon the earth. People wonder, what am I here for? You're here to see if you're going to go to heaven or you're going to go to hell. That's what it boils down to. Just like that. And so what determines that is your relationships, your kindness, your charity, your love, how you do things to other people. You know, you're incorporating the Ten Commandments into your way of life. And that's what all he's given us, a way. Because it's not, a, it's not so important in this life what you're doing is the way you're doing it. And everything needs to be something that gravitates you toward heaven. And that, that way is always up a hill. The other way is always downhill. And I'm not going to say, I know you feel weak and alone and abandoned, along with faith, prayer, and love. Descend down the hill to salvation. You don't, it's not, you can't do that. If you're descending, you're going toward hell. The, the climb is always more effort. Uh, we were hiking today, and, and it's effort to get up. And my wife was in front of me. I said, well, it's much easier going down because I had to help her over some rocks. I said, it's much easier going down because you can just fall. You know, I said it in Justin as a joke because she was saying, I don't know if I want to climb up here. I, I can come down. I said, well, it's easy. You're gonna, you can just fall and come down. But that's what happens. You know, we fall in darkness. We fall to Satan, and it's easy. It's very easy. And if she'd done that and she fell, she would have been scraped. She would hurt her knee, maybe break a leg. It's true. And that's what exact, exactly Satan wants to do. He wants to break your leg. He wants you to fall. And you're going to get beat up and scraped up by doing that. In this life, you've got to always be climbing. Our lady said daily conversion is easy for those who choose it. Or rather, I don't want to go that message. I'm going to go another message. She says, construct your life spiritually. This construction must last the rest of your life. You mean I'm not going to be able to stop and, and coast a little bit? If you do that, you have emptiness in you. 
And he also said another message that Satan's looking for a little emptiness in you. You can't be resting. You can't stop. Evil doesn't rest, and you think you can? That doesn't mean we can't go and have some kind of rest period. I just told Maria, now that you're thinking of physical rest, she condoned that and coordinated that you can do that rest. But don't forget God in the process. What if Our Lady hadn't appeared in 1981? We know Our Lady, had she not come and appeared to these visionaries, she revealed that the world would have destroyed itself. Why is the Holy Virgin coming? Read sacred scriptures, live it and pray to understand the signs of the time. At 6.40, June 24th, 1981, the world was on a downhill slide toward evil and darkness and hate that that changed in one moment toward the good. Has anything been said about Christians? There, there's many Christians in the world, but also she gave a message that said there's many Christians living as the pagans. They live pagan Christianity. With 26 years of daily apparitions, do we know if there is some kind of plan? It's her words saying, I want to use you in a great plan you must pray to understand what your role is in that plan. And it's for the salvation of the world. How will it happen? Because you are the chosen ones in the time of grace, walking with her, who are going to instruct the others after the time of grace. When Our Lady came June 24, 1981, it was at that point that God had decided to bring us ten secrets, three admonitions, and it's going to happen. They will happen. Do not put off drawing closer to God now in the time of divine mercy. Find out more about the most extraordinary plans in 2,000 years of Christian history. Sign up for the Medj list free and be kept informed of the most important event in your life, your children's and your grandchildren's, and all your posterity to the end of the world. See MEJ.com and click on MedgeList free. You're listening to Radio Wave with a friend of Medjugorje. Before you go, moving on into the message, on the, the sentence that says, the way with God to eternal joy is opening. Do you mean by when you talk about the way, and for us it's, it's very specific, our way of salvation, the, the rule of our community, or a way that we live, but it is the message put into life that Our Lady is saying that in some way, even though we don't see it, it's not apparent to our vision that this way of life uh, the, these concepts that have been put into life in the message is opening up in a in a larger way within the world. Is that is that what you see in the message of what Our Lady is saying? Yeah, I think there can't be any mistake about it. That Our Lady, when you see eternal, you think of heaven. The eternal joy is opening. So there can be a question that is Our Lady just speaking about heavenliness. No, no, no. There's no way. Because you, you back up from heaven, what happens before you go into heaven? That's what Vizca said. Those who go to heaven are already being living on earth. Our Lady wants us to live that. 
That doesn't mean you won't have difficulties, you won't have crosses. Heaven's going to take that away from us. But we all have experienced the sweetness of walking with the lady. And, and actually, Our Lady said in one message, uh, you know, it's, it's good to think about resurrection. And I always have thought this was tied to so many people having these resurrected crosses in the churches across the world, and especially here in America, and, and uh, instead of the crucifix. And, but Our Lady says, res uh, it's good to contemplate resurrection, but resurrection is for us in heaven. You know, we're not going to experience resurrection here. In other words, resurrection would be the absence of the pain, the suffering, and sorrow. You'll be on top of the hill. Then you can coast on a cloud. You know, but right now, ours is climbing to the hill. And, <clears throat> and people want resurrection today. That's, how, how can, I can't go kneel in front of a resurrected cross. You know, or some people come touch down Jesus when his arms are up like a field goal's just been made. I can't kneel in front of that and pray and relate when I'm in, in dire need of his his help, and ask him or contemplate that was the, the relic of the, the remembrance of the crucifixion and relate to that. Yeah, it's easy for you. Look at you. You're in heaven. You've resurrected. It's not what crucifix is supposed to be about. It's supposed to be about a crucifix. Jesus down on the cross, the dead there on the cross. And then my pain and my suffering when I kneel before that, suddenly he's lightened. I start saying, look, look what he's done. You know, so now we can't cope with the problems because we're all looking at resurrection and resurrected Jesus. And how do you relate to that when you're in sufferings? I'm abandoned. I'm weak. Is he listening to me? Or what's he doing? You know, but when you go in front of a real cross and you see him there, then your problems are nothing. Look what he did. Look how he coped with it. How did he carry his cross? Then I'm impelled to say, I'll take this cross and I'll bear it. If this is your choice, Jesus, you, what you did for me, then I'm going to do this. So, so in this life, the eternal joy is eternal, but eternity starts here. You begin eternity here. Now, yeah, our lady did say when Father Sofko died that he's been born in heaven. But, you know, life starts at conception. The earth is the womb. We, we are here to be going through our nine months to be formed so that we, when we birth, we're birthed into heaven. So it's not that we, we won't be experiencing it. John the Baptist experienced heaven in the womb. But, you know, we can parallel that, that same thought and that same, same thinking to, to be in his life. That there will be those sweet experiences, but also those bitter experiences in his life. But eternity starts here in, in the sense of, of passing this test and doing things. You know, we, we're told in the scriptures that not one thing that you do that's good will be forgotten in eternity. You're going to have to be affected by that. So what you're doing here is going to affect your eternity. If you do a charitable deed, you know, Scripture says you get one cool, cool, cool glass of water. God will pay you back a hundred times. You know, we also know in Scripture it says that Jesus says in this life, or Scriptures, in this life and the next life. So you are paid back in this life, but also for eternity. Here is limited. You won't be paid back after you died in this life because you're not here anymore. No you're in eternal life. And can you imagine just doing one single act of, of simple, profound, humble charity would depend on your elevation in heaven or what might be in your crown. And so if the scriptures relate that not one word uttered will not be, uh, will, will be you have to account for it. 
Man, can you imagine one word, one bad thing you say, one bad thought you say, you're going to account for that. That's not good accounting in justice if that's what God's accountants are doing in heaven and thinking the angel's accounting for this. That's not good accounting if he's going to account for one word that you might not have said in a charitable way that you're going to be paying for it without paying for one good thing you do also in eternity. So our days come to show us how to look at things. There is an accounting taking place. The angels are watching. And, and what you do on this life will affect eternity. Um, to me, I sometimes think of going into heaven, I, I, you know, I don't say I won't have regrets. Say, Gosh, if I had done that, Lord, look at this. But, you know, that goes back to uh, some of the saints have relayed to how some people are in heaven who don't shouldn't be there. They're there by the mother's prayers or somebody paid the sacrifice or somebody died for them and 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 offered their, their death to them and converted them at the last minute and boom, they 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 regain salvation. And that these actually I think it's Sister Mary Jesus of Regret, I'm not certain who wrote it, but said these people are not burning lights in heaven. They're just they're just little embers. And I thought, well, how can they be satisfied they're in heaven? And and the answer to that is because they know they don't deserve to be there. Can you imagine that? So even if you're in, in the lowest level, you know you shouldn't be there. And you're going to be just as tickled pink as you can be with your little wings flapping that you're just a little ember in heaven. I once asked Maria, did, did our lady tell you that you're going to heaven like she did Jacinta Francisco and... and um, uh, Frances Francisco and uh, just just into Francisco and what's the other's name? Marta. Lucia. 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 <laughs> I'm not thinking. I'm thinking Medjugorje. But uh, the answer was yes. Ex excepting with Francisco, it says yes, but he'll have to say many rosaries. So I always thought that was humorous. But I asked Maria this. Did she tell you this? And she says no. And she she's never told you that. I said, don't you want her to tell you that that you're going to go to heaven? Do you not want this information from her? She says. Terry, I mean, she says, I'll be happy enough with a broom behind the gate in heaven to be there. And so this is like this little emperor. But things you do on this earth and what's opening up to us in eternal joy is always showing us how to be strong, faithful Christians, how to really walk in the light of God. And that daily walk and what you do tomorrow, even this evening, what you do may affect something forever. For, for where there's no time, there's no end to it. And that's exciting. That's exciting because everybody likes to invest. I've always been amazed at people that, that love to invest money. I knew somebody who was very wealthy one time, and I told him, I said, you know, you love, you love to make money. Well, why don't you put those skills and talents to spread Medjugorje? Put your wealth to it. You know, because that's, that wealth that you you turn on the earth will turn in the temporal wealth will turn into eternal wealth for you. Can you imagine what you can do with that? But this law, this earth clouds people's minds so much that sometimes they can't see that. Sometimes they don't want to see that. And the very people who would seemingly want to do the most for investing into their future would be those who opportunities who love to make money or who want to make the investments, who's already extremely wealthy. But they're most often the ones that can't see that. And that's sad. But at the same time, that's exactly what our lady's coming for, is to open up this way to the eternal joy. 
is opening. And what's happening is the way of life on this earth, our physical life is opening right now. She's cracking the door. She's showing us. Our community is an opening to show many people how to do that. We're getting still hundreds of, of letters coming in about the July 1st of the 5th. So many conversions. So many people who saw the way of life. So many people want this way of life. For us, it's an opening. We say it's a porthole to heaven and earth. We believe that here. That our grounds are this way. Our life is this way. Our community is this way. Our lady asked for the community. And it is a window to the future. So this opening is something that's just not something after this life. This is now. This is your day tomorrow. Eternal joy is opening for you. Do you want it? Is it going to cost you? Yeah. Is it going to make you tired? Yes. You'll feel weak. Are you going to feel all alone? Yes. Will you feel about it? You better bet you will. It's part of the hill, uh, walking up the hill of salvation. It's tough. You're going to sweat. But with faith, prayer, and love, you'll climb that hill. And then our lady says, May the mass, the most exalted and most powerful act of your prayer, be the center of your spiritual life. This is beautiful. Beautiful that our lady says this about the Holy Mass. And so... If you haven't read yet what we have in our way, our, our Constitution is written uh, in the way of, uh, on our way and how we view Mass, uh, I'm going to encourage you all to do that, to, to go online and read that after the show tonight. And, and this is how we see Mass. It, there's nothing compared to it. There's no prayer in the universe higher than the Holy Mass. And, and I think, to, too, this is a correction call. Our Lady's calling the Mass to be corrected. There's a lot of things in Mass that's, that's not both from the people and both from the priests that's not proper. In our, in our sentiments, in our sense of, of exaltation of what it is and, and the, the profoundness of what's happening. I mean, you go in there, you, there's not a whole lot of people looking at Mass that they, you can see on their face the profoundness of the Mass. And the same thing from the altar looking back at us. And that's a, an indictment for both of us, our priests and our, us as people. And, and uh, you know, it's, I'm not saying this in a criticizing way. I'm saying this in reality. You know, because, you know, if we're not getting direction from the pulpit saying to, to uh, be respectful, to be quiet, uh, to, to witness that, then the people won't. And if the people don't do it, then the priest won't. So, and, and all he goes on is ties both together in this message in a beautiful way. So we have to realize that there's so much to be said on, on the Mass. And I'm not going to go deep into that. I encourage you to, to download that. Or can, can that be downloaded? So uh, I'm getting affirmative, yes. It's like a deposition, Riz. You've got to <laughs> say yes or no. Yes, you can download it. Okay. So anyway, people can't see you shaking yes. But anyway, in, the, in, the, in that, study that. This is, this is our our way that our lady's given us our understanding of holy mass how we're to celebrate that now do we always do that do we fail it no we always we always going to fail it you're never going to comprehend the greatness of mass you can't do that you're never going to reach that for those that think they understand it they're they're the least who understand it uh, that's that's one of the first bases of of, of understanding mass is that you can't phantom it you can't it's just it's without limit and never never will there be a greater miracle that god's created than, than holy mass it can't be surpassed even by God. It, we have everything in that. So that can give you a, a few thousand years of contemplation if you live that long to try to figure that out. But it goes on. 
uh, let it be the center of your spiritual life. And then he says, believe and love my children. Those whom my son chose and called will help you in this as well. And of course, St. Paul was chosen. There's people chosen uh, to carry out God's work. And, and this can mean that, but it also means priest. So our, our message of our lady are multi-purposed always that they, they can mean if you've been chosen to do something for our lady that this can apply to you. But our lady also, the dual purpose and how the messages work is, is for those that Jesus himself has chosen. So those whom my son chose and called and again, that could be a lay person, and it could be priest. And obviously, in text with the messages, our lady says, we'll help you as well in this as well. And so, it's the priest and the people, both. And our lady says, to you and to them especially, them who she's chosen, them who are who her son's chosen, I give you a motherly special blessing. And so, again, this is an encouragement to priest. It's an encouragement to, to elevate. It's an encouragement to we, the people, to elevate and grew up. And so what happens in Holy Mass, what happens in that when the priest hands take the, the, the Eucharist and change it, or the bread and wine and change it into Jesus, this uh, can't be understood. We'll never understand it, but we can pray to start grasping it and have more reverence toward that.
As a parent, are you worried about what kind of society your children will live in? Do we really have a choice in the next election? Or do we get to choose what the powers that be give us? No matter how you structure your future, all is at risk. Money won't protect you. Position won't save you. Your children's future is nil. Our nation must change its direction. But what is stopping it? You are. It all depends on you. If you wonder how can that be, you won't after reading Look What Happened While You Were Sleeping. A couldn't-put-it-down book. Thrilling. Motivating. Edge-of-the-seat reading that will change the way you live and change this nation. Order on MEJ.com or at your local bookstore. Or call in the U.S. 205-672-2000. You're listening to Radio Wave with a friend of Medjugorje. So we have this message of Our Lady that uh, has more volumes to speak than what I'm saying to you now because it is a personal message to you. And you've got to realize that it's not something for me just to say these outlines and, and, and these um, peripherals that, that mention that may open up something, but it can open up something else for you that I may not even think of or, or could think of because it's not for me in that way. It's for you as an individual. And so uh, they are multipurpose, and, and these messages should be reflected on and looked on and see what is our lady trying to say to you. And... They have, a, they have a combined effort for the whole world, but they have that individual element, too. It doesn't go away. And so you have this power of this message. And I'm absolutely certain that Our Lady is given these messages to prepare us for a future. And the future is not one of brightness at this moment. If you're going to have a bright future, you, you, you have to get with Our Lady. I was struck this week by reading a book by Dr. Richard Swinson, I came across it, and, and he's, he uh, does a science in relation to uh, perfusion. And he's a futurist, and he's a medical doctor, but also he, he's a futurist. He looks at the future and sees what's coming down. He's Protestant, he's not Catholic. He knows nothing about the apparitions of late, as far as I know, in his book. But in what he says and what he, what he talks about is some amazing things. Amazing in the sense that he, he knows what you and I know who have been following the message for some time. Uh, his conclusion of studying the future and things going on in the earth right here, right now at this very moment is that God is up to something. Now, if you're out there and you're isolated from the apparitions, you know nothing about that. And you've concluded through looking at some secular means that, that even though you're religious, that God is up to something. And we on our side know that there's going to be three admonitions, three secrets released, a sign on the mountain left, that the future is something our lady has repeatedly pointed us to, telling us to reflect on, think about. And, and what was so amazing to me is to come up to the same uh, results of not having our lady as opposed to us having our lady and come up with the same thoughts. And 
it's fascinating because it's almost like looking at something parallel and on a secular, secular path proving the apparitions of Our Lady. And, and sometimes biases or, or prejudices wouldn't even allow uh, somebody, he may, I don't know, but an individual like this to accept what Our Lady's doing or this is not real. But his conclusions are the message in regards to our future and where we're headed and what's happening. And he, he's basically come up with this, worked with the science of future that, that uh, the work of perfusion. Perfusion is defined as, as what you do when you grow a, a stalk of corn. That's something added to, to the numbers upon the earth of, of an addition. In other words, perfusion is more, more of this, more automobiles, more cars, more uh, guitars made, more oranges grown. Anything that's more is perfusion. The rate of uh, perfusion he defines on the earth is something that can't be calculated. In other words, it's gone so fast and so profusely now that perfusion can't be numbered. In fact, when they try to number it in science, what they're doing is, or futurists would say PM, which means perfusion number. The perfusion number to be calculated out uh, can't be done. The rate of perfusion is so rapid right now that there's just no human way to even come up with some kind of graph or scale to even come up and calculate it. You can't do it. Uh, one of the most amazing parts of it is is when it's defined out, what it starts telling us about the future. Then when you start breaking things down and say when we add one more car, we will add one more uh, tire, we add one more uh, soybean plant or one more soybean itself, all these numbers calculate to more to the earth. And through time, it, it doesn't go away. It doesn't reverse. Perfusion won't reverse. And I was a little bit puzzled about that until I got into reading it, how that worked. And in other words, if we were producing one million cars this year and next year uh, only 800,000, it's not reversing. That's still positive. In other words, there's 800,000 more cars added. It just slowed down. So perfusion can slow down, but it can't go away. So it's irreversible. So we've been traveling along in, in man's history for for some time, and just in the next few years, we're going to see 20,000 years of progress in a very short time. With perfusion, as it grows, it parallels progress, and progress itself is something people like, and people want progress. And we benefit from progress. Progress. We're sitting in these studios tonight broadcasting you because of progress. That's a really a good, in that sense. The problem with that is, is uh, it, as it grows, it, it creates more. And the more progress has to create more. And this perfusion number greatly increases. And I said, the problem with that is, well, so what's the problem? Well, to back up just a little bit, perfusion don't go away. You say, well, the corn, the corn goes away. No, we're talking about the number. The number existed in past history. So, so the number that adds to future perfusion, in other words, they grew, you know, one farmer grew 2,000 ears of corn, 2,000 stalks. All that's perfusion PM numbers. Those numbers, when you number them that way, adds to the earth this, this technology, the thought, the way it was grown, how it improves. Even your improvement is a perfusion number. Everything is, a, everything is perfusion. So as this perfusion grows, it, it accumulates. And it accumulates thought, it accumulates ways to doing it, and it causes improvement, which results in progress, which progress is important for e economics. 
Nobody wants to go back backwards economically. So there's some givens in profusion that won't let it reverse, even if it could reverse, because it's always got to go faster because people want to make more money. They want more. They want this. So profusion, really, you have to look at it in the context. Profusion is more, more of this, more of that. I want more. And so as this, as this more accumulates in the earth, what you might not even see is just another layer. Layers there. You know, you say, okay, what happened with Noah and the flood? When Noah and the flood didn't reverse profusion. Everything that had numbered and grew and became something or whatever or cities was part of the number system that, that grew in that. And man, the eight people that got off the ark and the animals that got off the ark, they were, they were in addition to profusion. Immediately they multiplied. But they themselves, even with the ark, and even on the ark was making things or doing things or what have you, that increased in profusion. So profusion has never decreased since the beginning of time. It's there. The, the thing that becomes alarming about it is that is the numbers, for two reasons. The numbers, first I'll go into, the numbers of profusion, if you put it on a graph of Christ's time when he was, is zero AD to 2008, the graft would be totally flat-lined up to 1970s. What's happened since 1970 and 1900 years plus before that, the graft, the, the, what's happened since 1970, will flat-line it. It will push it down. It won't even let it rise up. And from the 70s on or so, or the 1900s, basically, the the graph will shoot straight up, almost a right angle. It doesn't go like up and down. I mean, profusion is just totally blasted out where you can't even, you can't phantom it. Now, why is this important? This is important because there's an element to, to, to profusion that with every single thing, every one of those things, every one that thing that's grown, every, there's, there's a, a flaw in it. In other words, with the Garden of Eden, what happened with the Garden of Eden, we have things aren't perfect. You know, we've waited on utopia. We thought the progress that we've seen would bring utopia. It hasn't arrived. Why hasn't utopia came? With all this progress, we thought it was. We feel, many people feel like we're worse off than we were 50 years ago. And yet, in the 50s, and I remember as a kid, we were just in all the technology and going to the moon and all this stuff and the greater tomorrow, and it never came. People say, oh, well, we got this, we got the mobility. Well, that's the problem. There's a, flow, there's a flaw with mobility. Every single number, a PM number, has what's called fallenness. Fallenness is something that did start with the Garden of Eden, and we got this, that, that everything, no matter how good it is, has a flaw to it, has fallenness. If you want to call it flaw, it's really fallenness. Fallenness means that for every, there's nothing out there that's completely pure. Nothing out there that completely exists in purity. It doesn't exist because at the fall of the Garden of Eden, we've everything, be it a cell, be it a body, be it a plant, whatever, it has, a, it has something of a potential that can weaken it, disease it, bring it down, kill it, what have you. So everything has this negative factor with the positive. So progress is positive. We all see that. We all want it. But there's, as that progress grows and it grows in numbers, every single item has a flaw to it or fallenness. And fallenness is something that's different from being a, a, a pessimist. A pessimist sees everything as negative. The doom is the darkest way to see it. It's not about pessimism, and it's not about being optimist. Optimist sees everything, 
always is positive, everything in great light. They, they, don't, they reject something with, uh, has any flaw to it. And this isn't being a realist. Uh, neither one of those things will, will help you see the future, being optimist or pessimist. You, know, you need to be a realist. The realist is that, that we build something and it breaks down. You get, you're healthy, you're perfectly healthy, you're doing all your exercises, you're out there jogging, you're, you're, you got perfect health, you go to the doctor, everything's fine. Suddenly you just drop dead of some kind of liver disease, you know, within two months. And so fallenness is part of every system, no matter how perfect it may be or how we try to make it, it's part of it. As we progress in our level of technology and progress that we're making now, we have every single item has fallenness to it. You can't go to work if you're working with computers without trying to fix 15 problems or 20 or 100 problems in the day. The more advanced we get in progress, the more problems we have. We thought progress would cure this. Instead, we got more problems. Since we've even started our site, Manage.com, we got more problems with this than we used to have before. These have escalated. We're reaching more people. We're doing more. We're converting more through this God's grace, through these mediums. But at the same time, we have more fallenness with it. And so what's happening, what Dr. Swinson is saying, is that, that we're headed for the end of the age. Mathematically, it can be calculated that way. Because we, we, we have, say, like, like Hitler... You know, Hitler did a lot of damage, and he didn't have the technology we've got today, but he did a lot of damage to a lot of weaponry and planes and his uh, uh, V-2, uh, what do you call it, his rockets, or V-2 rockets. You know, th this technology, even at that time, he could do a lot. But, you know, a thousand years ago, what would Hitler do? He'd carry a spear. He couldn't do that much damage. Not a whole lot he could do. And so we have the capability as... as um, Perfusion takes place and progress increases. What you have is is the power of fallenness to bring down the whole system. In other words, power of evil can fall into fewer and fewer hands with more and more power for the people to direct that. Uh, the World Trade Center is a perfect example. Our world changed completely. Every, every nation on earth, every airport on earth, every way, way we live, what you do tomorrow is changed because of 19 people. That couldn't happen a thousand years ago. This is part of the fallenness. So you've got to look at a little bit abstract and get back from things and look at this profusion numbers that happen, that everything we add, whether it's a bottle of water, a piece of plastic, all this has a flaw to it. You, know, you make a bottle of water. Now, what I hear and reading in, in the last year or so that, that some of these, these bottles of water have this cheap plastic and they release things in there that can cause cancer. That's the fallen side of it. Every positive thing is cheap. You know, you got bottles. we got bottles of water sitting here. That's why I'm saying that in plastic containers. But the fallen side of that is it's not pure. It's not perfect. And the danger, Swenson, what he comes up with is, is basically comes down to mathematics. The more perfusion you had, the more speed in which it travels, the more also accumulating on a much lesser scale is the fallenness level. You've got to calculate that into it. You know, you, you, if you get cancer in your body, your body's going to continue when it first starts. And it may be down in one part of the body or, or something not affecting anything else. And it's just prodding along, growing, but it's, it's a growing thing of fallenness in that perfectly healthy body. And sooner or later, it brings the whole thing down and kills it. 
and that our system is so integrated now, so advanced, that with the perfusion numbers that's growing and with the progress that's happening, we have this parallel exponentially of the speed of which things are growing that, that uh, it's just shooting out. This exponentiality is the, the growth of, since the 70s, are going straight up. Where we were flatlined before, our, our, our perfusion numbers have just gone exponentially up to such a level that we can't, we can't cram it. So ex exponentiality is this growth, the, the speed of which this is happening. I know when I was in my office years ago when I started my business back in the 70s, and I was really thinking about how to, to um, you know, when you start a business, you don't always business. So I'm thinking about how you make money, you know, what I need to do and how long would it take to do this. And I came up with this little thing just one day sitting there. I thought, well, if I had a penny and I doubled it tomorrow, I'd have two pennies. The next day I'd have three pennies or four pennies, rather. You know, by the seventh day I'd have 64 cents. It's nothing. It's flatlined, really. At the end of two weeks, uh, or at 10 days, you got $512, and then two weeks, you got eight, over $8,000. Uh, but that's still nothing. And so there comes a point when perfusion, the numbers just literally take off, just go through, the, they just flat go through the ceiling. In other words, at the end of 20 days of doubling the number, you've got a little over $500,000. But at the end of, of 40 days of just doing this, you got $550 billion. And all that stock that exponentially comes at the very last of it. If you, if you were to um, take the oceans and empty them, or the Pacific Ocean, and he writes about this in his book, uh, he says that if you were to double or just drop a drop of water, how many drops would it take to fill that? The whole ocean, by the, by the 20th drop or so, you'd only have one-tenth of it full. But by the 40th drop, by the 40th drop, it's full. 80, and then by the 80th, or rather, I'm sorry, by the 80th drop, it's full. 80 drops doubled, and 80 times will fill it. And so exponentially, all this, when is the, when is the filling that happens? It happens right at the very end expedition when things just shoot off and that's what we're happening right now so dr swenson is talking about this this darkness that's in fallenness is accumulating and as these numbers of fallenness accumulates in that we're going to see a radical drastic interruption in the way we live Our Lady, through her messages, has shown and taught us that freedom brings with it choices. We have the freedom to choose. But it is here where the division lies within our nation. Two Americas are clearly manifesting themselves, one growing in light and one growing in darkness. A wider and deeper abyss grows to separate the two. It is evident everywhere. We hold the keys to peace. Read Two Americas, a 25-page booklet by a friend of Medjugorje, and see how you can unlock the door to save our nation. Order on medj.com, spelled M-E-J.com, and click on Medjmart, or by calling in the U.S., 
You're listening to Radio Wave with a friend of Medjugorje. So we we have this system that we we have put all our faith into, and our lady has actually told us that reflect on your future. She's trying to get us to stop a little bit to see where we're going with this thing. And there's no way for her to be coming these 27 years without showing us to prepare for something. And we can't we can't be living one way totally dependent on that way, and instantly that change in another direction. Uh, the whole concepts of economics that we know it as we do it today has only been around about 500 years. And, you know, as far as a, some kind of scientific discipline, the, the classical economics is just 200 years old. This is new. We know the Antichrist is going to come. He's going to rule through this system. So there's no question the system being built is an Antichrist system. It, you, it, it's not debatable. Uh, people might not think of it that way. They think, okay, this is just part of progress, and we just accept that. But the economic system as it is, is part of the fallenness that's going to come to us. We're getting more integrated between every nation now in such a way that that we're going to see radical things. And Dr. Swinson says we must prepare ourselves for the possible consequences of an increasingly dramatic future disruption. Uh, the more we pray... The more you read about these messages, you may be feeling these things. He's given hard evidence that's fascinating. I, mean, I was fascinated re reading this. He's just saying we don't have the wisdom to deal with the growth of what we're doing now. I remember reading years ago that in Colorado they had these big frozen tanks that were put. They were going on all through Latin America and across the world finding original seeds. In other words, they said that the, the seed of the tomato and the, the original tomato doesn't even look nothing like what we have now. But because we've, we've advanced so much in, in our gen, uh, genetically altering and how we're changing seeds, that as man alters these things, he's not, he has no way to calculate how many things he's leaving out. I mean, the, the zillions of, of variations. Well, we're going to alter this. What happens as a consequence in fallenness to, the, to something down the road or the third time this, this corn is produced? We don't know those variables. We can't know it. It's impossible for us. But our arrogance, thinking, okay, well, we've got this and this is good, must be good, they're not factoring in fallenness. So this thing in Colorado, and this is 10 years ago, I probably read this. I said, wow, I think it's 10 years ago. They were going collecting seeds and putting them in these huge nitrogen tank because, tanks because they feel, these scientists, that one disease can wipe out all of the corn crop, all of the rice crop, all of the tomato crop. And so... Because that might backfire down into original tomatoes. They want to have original tomato seeds left that we can go back. So there is thoughtful science out there starting to realize, hey, we're, we're, we're doing things we don't know what we're doing. Swinson wrote his book. He says, we don't give a five-year-old real guns to play with. They're not wise, and someone might get hurt. Yet progress has put weapons in the hands of our fallenness, giving us an incredible power without regard to wisdom. In other words, we don't know what we're doing right now, where it's going to lead to. Now, if you're thoughtful, if you're following all these messages, you're feeling it, you're sensing it, something's up. And that's his conclusion at the end of the book. God is up to something right now. Well, we have Our Lady coming every day, and what is she coming for? Because God's up to something, which means there's something wrong with the world, and something's going to happen. 
All right, it's said January 25th, 1997. I invite you to reflect about your futures. Or not with S, just future. Really get into that sentence. I invite you to reflect about your future. You sitting out there tonight, you who listen to this later streaming or on CD later, think about your future. Most people are just letting what comes along, dictates their day, what the soccer coach is going to say, when to be there, the boss do this. Nobody's saying, no, I'm going to take the reins of control into my life and change it according to messages. That's what we did. And we're not perfect in this. And, and, and we you know, had the system, we have to operate with the mission. But in our personal homes, we don't, have, we don't have computers. We don't have television. We're TV free. We don't have the newspapers coming there. We, we've gotten rid of all this. We don't do league sports. We dramatically alter our life because we begin to reflect on our future. And the way that I spoke about today to Mariana, we start incorporating the way into our life. There's no room for the television in our house when we've got laughter and, and talking and, and dinners together. We don't have, where's the TV going to fit in? You know, uh, our house, I was laying in the bed, my, the bedroom, of course, where I lay up here. I was laying in bed the other night reflecting on this, that our house has been TV-free probably for 15, I think 16 years, I counted. 16 years of none of that noise and that garbage in my home. And the, the walls speak a piece. People writing letters to us, they, they went in the bedroom. And this, this house has that in there. You know, we want the voice of Our Lady in that home. And so, our lady says, I invite you to reflect about your future. If you did, you start thinking about these things. You've you, you got to start now and rearranging your life. Because exponentially, things are racing out of control. We do not have the wisdom, no more than a five-year-old playing with a gun, of where this thing's going with. With also the paralleling on a much lower chart, but in exponentially great numbers, with the profusion, the fallenness numbers. Fallenness is accumulating. And the thing is, in a car, motor has got 1,000 parts to operate that. Only one of them can bring it down and sit you on the side of the road. One part. And so with 1,000 things with exponentially in our progress, only one thing brings it down. We know some of our computers here may have a million things they can do. But one thing stops it. And sometimes it's very difficult to even find that one thing. And so... His point is, is in the future, we've got so much of this happening that as the fallenness increases, sooner or later, mathematically, that is going to disintegrate the system. And we're going to end this age. I mean, he's, he outright says it. This age is, is in. He can't say when. He can't say how. But the accumulation of fallenness will bring it down. I believe that. I believe that before I read the book. I knew that. Now, our lady says... On the same message, 25th of January, 1997, I invite you to reflect about your future. And then she starts to reflect. She starts thinking. This is, what, this is her comment afterwards. This follows immediately the words. You are creating a new world without God. Only with your own strength. You know, what do we know next to God? And if it's only us doing it without God... Where is it going to lead us to? Exponentially, this growth of profusion with the accumulation also on, on, on lesser numbers, but still exponentially making the same speed. Because for every single new product, thing, thought, technology, what it might be that's added to profusion, each one of those numbers have a smaller 
liability of fallenness. So the numbers are equal with perfusion. It's just a smaller ratio that might do it. But when they add up to everything, we can't see that. We don't have the wisdom to know when they come together what's going to happen. Now, if you were what they did when TV first came, it says thoughtful men were scared of the TV. They were scared of it. In other words, a thoughtful man is a praying man. A man that's praying has got wisdom. And he didn't like it. He knew there was something about this. He didn't know it. He didn't have the wisdom to know. But he knew that something, the darkness might be able to use this some way. And so with our progress, with our technology and all the great advancements we're making, everything we want, what, where is it going to lead us to? Now, I was explaining to somebody in the community the other day, actually it was Joan, uh, about some of this, because it's just literally fascinating when you get into it. What about, you know, what, what do you do? You know, the people, who, the, the people who were in the World Trade Center, who got out, who were they? Joan? She knows I the, know answer. the answer. <laughs> who are they? The ones who are closest to the ground. Exactly. Exactly. The ones who are closest to the ground. Now, there were some, we heard some wild stories that came 90 floors down running in, but the ones who were closest to the ground made it and were the safest. If you see something in the future is coming down, where do you want to be? Next to the ground. You don't want to be dependent on a system that's growing so profusely, exponentially, that you're hooked into this, that it's going to bring you down with it. If a building is falling, what do you do? What did they do in the World Trade Center? What are the pictures you remember? People running. They wanted to get away from that. Who wants to be near a fallen building? Who wants to be around a fallen thing that's full of fallenness that's going to fall? This is not about doomsday, and this is about be ready. This is about changing your life. This is about seeing what he says in the time of grace. Use this time of grace well. And if we were going to be safe, safe if we were going to be scripturally minded, what would we do? We would go to the scriptures and see what's safe ground. The only occupation ordained by God is your subsistence should come from the ground. So if you're going to be close to the ground, literally, and you've got your garden, you've got your little subsistence farming operation, you've got your ability to feed yourself, you've got everything. We've got to realize that, that in something, when something happens, uh, are you going to be ready? And that's what Swenson's saying is, is we'll be ready. You know, if you had a, a uh, if the whole system comes down and our economic system is to me is something that our lady's pointed to because she says consumerism is an evil spirit. She didn't say it literally like that. She said it that due to the spirit of consumerism, you, uh, people no longer cherish anything. And then she says about materialism being evil. So it talks about that. Um, actually, the message is right here. June 25th, 1989. You pray because you're in great temptation and danger because the world and material goods lead you into slavery. Satan is active in this plan. Okay, this is Ivanka's. But the other message I was speaking of is, is that um, this consumerism message, she definitely shows us through the text of that whole message that consumerism is an evil spirit. And so Satan's antichrist will, will deal through this way. And so is this an Antichrist talk? No, but we've got an Antichrist way of life. And we just got to be, be realist about it. It exists. I believe God's going to interrupt it because we're not ready for it. I can't, I'd never live underneath it. I can't make it. 
and nobody else could neither. So these messages are for the future, for when they do have to live underneath this, and we are presently underneath that kind of system, but I believe God's going to bring it down. I believe that's what all he's preparing us for. When that brings down, how are we going to be? You know, are you going to... Uh, are you going to be ready? There's, there's a, a concept of rapture that people have that I don't believe you're going to just escape this. Um, you also have the... the the scriptures where you know ten, two, two men are walking and uh, suddenly one's one's gone, and so a lot of people get this rapture concept and they go escape tribulation. You know, escape tribulation. You know, this is not in our this is not in Catholic theology. Some Christian denominations preach this, but this is, you know, Mary's raptured. Yeah, she was raptured. She's the first to be raptured, and this is this is what this means. And of course, I won't get into theology yet because I don't know all that. But what I'm saying is that. That uh, to get the proper slant on things that we need to be ready because there's not each time to change minds. Ali says use this time well, and and if if the system as we know it collapses, and on a scientific level, Swinson's data shows this. That's just about a, he shows it from a mathematical standpoint. He proves what we understand. Then even even will will a, a bag of gold buy a piece of bread? You know, if you're on a 9-11 flight headed to the building, two of them's already crashed, you know it's going to crash, and one of the guys on the cell phone talking to his wife, and you you got a million dollars in your briefcase, and you're going to say, can I use that cell phone? I want to talk to my wife. What 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 What's a million dollars worth? You know, the value of him talking to his wife, the guy with the cell phone talking to her, is much more valuable at that moment than a million dollars because a million dollars don't get him anything. So if everything does come down, you know, food is important. The way you're living now is important. And so we've got to realize, are we going to be ready for this? It's not about uh, waiting, then I'm going to change. You're not going to be able to do it at that time. It's just not going to be that way.
time to change your mind The sun has come and you've been left behind Oh yeah You Father spoke, the demons dine. How could you have been so blind? There's no time to change your mind. The sun has come and you've been left behind. No. There's no time to change your mind The sun has come and you've been left behind I hope we'll all be You've been left behind I hope we'll all be You've been left behind I hope we'll all be You've been left behind Do we as Christians lead the world, or are we being led by the world? Compromise has infected the Christian value system. We are called by Our Lady to change our life, and through that, to change others through our witness to the light. In today's world of technology and traffic jams, it can be difficult to understand how to live biblically. As go God's people, so goes the world. A remarkable writing that will open your eyes to Our Lady's plans to free us from the bondage of things and help us to understand that peace can only be found in a society where love reigns and God is acknowledged. As go God's people, so goes the world. Available on medj.com, spelled M-E-J.com, and click on MedgeMart or call in the U.S. 205-672-2000. You're listening to Radio Wave with a friend of Medjugorje. You know, and this, uh, the grace of lady we have to realize, too, is that she's come to us saying, I'm with you. She continues, do not forget, I'm your mother and I love you. You know, she wants us to know this. She wants us to know that she's with us on a daily basis. Today she said that, among you. I come among you. And what does this mean? It means you're not, I don't want to leave you behind. I, I want you to use this time of grace. I want you to be with the message. I want you to follow because something is up. If if uh, if uh, somebody dealing with as a futurist can come to the conclusion of studying the mass of, of perfusion and more 
and deduce from that that God is something. God is up to something. Uh, why would you want to be left behind? The whole purpose of the message is, is to get us re- ready for that. <clears throat> Will it be a depopulation of the earth? Will it be billions of people leave the earth? Uh, you know, uh, through whatever. It is? Who knows what it'll be? That's not so as important as as that we live a simple life. We be out of this system as it's quit following it. And realize that progress has tempted us to forget God. This is something really important to contemplate. Progress tempts us to forget God. Because the next disease, the next um, cure, we look to that. So, and we're tempted that even as Christians, well, we'll pray too, but, that, you know, God's going to use the medicine. See, Say, God, you're going to make the cure if you find the medicine. You know, be on that side of it. Not on, let's go look for the medicine. God, help us. You know, so we're on the wrong side of the fence with the whole system. You created a whole new world with that God only with your own strength. And and our strength, if it's measured between, uh, on a graph of what God's is and ours, there is no way for us to calculate all the, the variables of what we're doing technologically and how we're, we're advancing with this progress and what we're doing with it. You know, because man's not going to go backwards. You know, once we once we discover something, we burn the bridge backwards. It's not like uh, some things where you keep up for certain situations. You know, when people discover knives, it's impossible to get them to fight with hands. They're not going to do that. Would you do that? No, they're not going to do that. We never did in history, didn't do it. Once, you know, people discover gunpowder, you know, you're not going to get them to just fight with knives. That's over. And so, you know, now we've discovered an atom, and you think you're going to just sit there and fight with gunpowder? You know, man doesn't go backwards, and he's not going to go backwards. And so there are some things in history where they said it was, the earth was filled back with wickedness within 80 or 90 years after Noah landed in the ark because he had memory of what happened before. You know, electricity is not going to go away. Even if some of us wish it would, if we're Amish, <laughs> you know, it's not going to happen. You know, it's here to stay because we, we've, we've done that. I was just reading about the Welsh, uh, there's very strong evidence in Alabama that the Welsh came up Mobile Bay in 1170 A.D., the Vikings. And I've written about that in American history, never learned. But this is this was 1300 that they found a stone, Hail Mary, uh, a Holy Mary, I think it's Holy Mary, the, the Kingston Stone. It says, Holy Mary protect us or save us. Salve Regina, save us or something like that. But there's very strong evidence that are here and that the Indians even in Alabama had some, some of them learned Welsh. I was just reading about something today about that. It's fascinating. And they found several caves that the Indians couldn't possibly make. And it was where some people could defend themselves. 20 men could defend themselves against 1,000. Built on the side of some cliffs, actually where I was today. And and the way they uh, Fortificated these things and made them. Um, they said that it, it, it was believed that Welsh did that. It's very strong evidence. And not, in 1793, uh, um, someone in Alabama actually talked to to some Indians that had had this in their uh, tradition that these people had been there uh, in the 1100s or so, sometimes centuries before. But I bring this point up only to say that um, when did they discover America? No, they didn't discover America. Christopher Columbus discovered America. You know, you can invite the light bulb all you want. Well, in fact, the Egyptians invited the light bulb 3,000 years ago. They didn't invent it, rather. They made one. They found some earthen jars 
with two strips of, of uh, light with a wire, a copper piece of copper on it or something that would fill them, that would light up. But all they're going to do is impress the Pharaoh. You know, what's he going to do? With it? They had no concept to light up everything. You know, it wasn't ready to be discovered. Uh, and so these things are there, and these Walsh people are here, but Christopher Columbus, they had a need for the Inglewood and, and these other places, and, and uh, you know, Spain, Italy, all these places were, were, were populated. So, they, you know, you have to have a lot of things in civilization ready for that point and ready for that to happen. And so we have a maturing on the earth right now, certain circumstances with, with this uh, profusion and this exponentiality, the growth of it, that, that things are starting to show and see that we couldn't see. In other words, you can't foresee something that's unforeseen. You know, if you could, a lot of people wouldn't have wrecks on the interstate and get, get killed when a tractor trailer rig ran a red light. You can't foresee that. And we've got something headed in our future that's unforeseen. We don't know what it is. But just like a black hole can't be proven in space, because they see things drawn into it, they're assuming there's something eating that up. They've never seen a black hole. They can't prove it. They don't know. They, but they know that thing's eating stuff. So they can deduce that there's something there. And so we've got so much of this fallenness accumulating itself now that we can realize that there's something something that's going to accumulate to such a level that it becomes lethal, lethal for the way of life we have at this moment and a great alteration. Now, it may be one of the secrets of something alter the earth and something alter that, that causes the system to come down, but with the fallenness of the system, it's just going to disintegrate. And so we have... This exponentiality, which which uh, Dr. Swinson gives us some other examples. He talks about folding a piece of paper. He says, if you fold a piece of paper 40 times, how thick would it be? Every time the previous folds, that they were doubled with, not doubled, but they increased with the thickness of the paper. He said it would be from here to the moon. He goes on and talks about it, illustrating this, saying if you double the piece of paper another 40 times, how thick it would be, it'd be across the Milky Way. It takes 100,000 light years to cross the Milky Way. That's just 40 times. He said, if you just did another 20 times, how big would it be? He said it would go to the wall of the universe. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but science believes that this where stars stop and there's actually a wall. A not, we call it the wall. It's just empty space, but the wall of the universe. 100 times folding one sheet of paper. Now, that's, that's amazing because... It only takes, uh, he calculated out something like five, min five seconds to fold a piece of paper, three seconds. He calculated out that basically you can do all this, fold a half sheet theoretically, in five minutes you can do this and fold the sheet of paper and be the thickness that we reach out to the wall of the universe. So what this proves is that there's a speed of exponentiality that starts increasing as, as you start folding it and you just fold the piece of paper doubled as thin but as it starts doubling, the same time as doubling, the time in which it takes to do that is, is actually the same time or less. So you have a speed factor with this taking place. So it starts racing completely out of control where there's no way to control it. So there's a speed factor in this that, that theoretically in five minutes you can fold this paper at that speed that would reach to the wall of the universe. And that's where we are right now. We're, we're moving along at a pace of, of growth, of progress, that it, as each singular thing happens, it has that 
that calculation of fullness with it that can't be reversed, it can't be slowed down, and it's going to accumulate to a point where then we can, um, you know, be see where we are with this, and, which is unforeseen at this point, but we'll see it. Something that you have brought up on several several times here is you've, talk, you've spoken about our fascination with progress and the desire to continue to move forward in new things and more things. And, and I know that in some previous uh, programs you had spoken about this, but uh, oftentimes it seems as if mankind is moved often by fear to accept these things, uh, accept the progress, accept the technology. And I know just recently, I think you mentioned there was a report where some children were, were having these little GPS chips in them. Uh, and these are all because of, and the tactics were because of fear, obviously, that people are doing this. And and it's just interesting, and maybe you'd want to address this, that Our Lady continued to speak about, do not fear, uh, do not fear the future. The one who prays is not afraid of the future and so forth. Well, you know, I think that we got to look at that the fallenness has not been eliminated by the progress of accomplishments. It hasn't happened. In fact, we have more fallenness now, more problems with everything we're, we're putting together than we had before this great, this great exponentiality of growth of, of, of more. So as we get more and as more becomes more, we have more of this capability of fallenness. This, is, this thing we're talking about, these uh, 60 or 80 youth, whatever it was in some school up north, there were there were GPS in their their school bags or the backpacks and and uh, the argument they gave was free. Of course, it's free. These companies want to do this. They want that's how they get in there. They give stuff away, and so they they're coming up with a, a solution for there's no problem. They say, well, you know, it keeps track of the kids. It's not a problem. Parents are supposed to keep track of the kids. It's just like people say, well, you know, what if something happens? I need a cell phone for my wife on the road. What'd you do before? You don't have to go into that for that argument. It's not a good argument. You know, do you use it at convenience because of that reason? Yeah, it's convenience, but are we thoughtful about where is this leading to? Do we really need it? How much peace can I have without this thing? As I said it before, we run an international mission. We've got seven hours difference. We've got to communicate messages across the sea. And we're doing it by fax. That old antiquated fax machine. And and you know what? The thing doesn't break down. That the 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 falling rate in the fax machines is pretty decent, you know. But but if we waited to rely completely on computers, man, we we would you'd be getting it two or three hours later. Now we utilize the computers for it, but it's something that we take with with um, some bitterness, and we're not scared of it. But we're not letting it manage us, and it doesn't get into our personal lives. And we leave this building; it's there. I know that you've often uh, have said, for years, you've said this that you believe that the only reason the system is, has not crashed yet is because it's by the hand of God that it hasn't. And in light of what you're sharing with us tonight, I recall the story that Mariana, in these first days with Our Lady, asked for a sign from Our Lady that the people would believe that she is really appearing to the visionaries because so many people were doubting them and accusing them of lying and that kind of thing. And so one day she went before a lady and she said, please give us a sign. And the only thing that Mariana noticed that was different in that apparition was that her own watch had gone backwards in time. Maybe 
you could draw a conclusion about that and what we're discussing tonight. Well, that that always puzzled me. I mean, you know, here's the mother of God coming down from heaven. Marianne asked her son, and her watch runs backwards. <laughs> you know, I looked at that and thought, I mean, can't she do something better than that? <laughs> She's the mother of God. I mean, make a star fall or something or split in two or shoot across the sky. What, what in the world is... Uh, wh- I, I, when I first came to know Major Gordon and started Googling, that caused me skepticism about, well, what's the purpose of that? But, you know, I wasn't looking at things like little children. I wasn't looking at things in, in a simple way. And it, and it actually took me probably 10 or 15 years, probably seven, eight years ago, before I even understood what that meant. And only after prayer did I realize our time was over, absolutely, completely, 100% over June 24th, 1981. You know, God has given us his people, Israel, with all the history and the scriptures and and uh, the lessons about the Syrians using a rod to purify him and coming back to him and his love for him. And I mean, we had a hit wealth of history showing God and how he wanted his people to live his way. And he would bless them if they did and keep them in the land, throw them out if they didn't. I mean, the record went around. I, I called it, termed it in some of my writings, the three S's. Sin, suffering, salvation. You sin, you're going to suffer for it. When you suffer for it, you get on your knees, and then you get salvation again. And then when you get salvation, you get likes and coast, and then you sin again, and then you're going to suffer for that, and then you're going to come back. And this is the, this is the record that goes around and around and around, the three S's. Israel did it. We're doing it. And, and the only thing but trouble is now we're in, a, we're in a cycle of exponentiality, exponentiality that, that has this more with it, this perfusion that... Uh, the world's going to see something it's never seen before. You know, the world's never lived like it lives right now before. You know, we, we look at the, the transportation, the mobility, how we move around, and we thought, great. I mean, how many people out there in the 60s and 70s, you know, think about how the car is a fascination. I, I've taught, I've got a, uh, my wife's grandmother. She's 103 years old. She's still alive. And she, um, I mean, they chased airplanes when they come over. And uh, my wife was telling me today that they uh, had a, when, that they didn't have a refrigerator. When they got a refrigerator, that all her mother and her brothers and sisters, uh, they didn't keep anything in the refrigerator but milk. And they were not allowed to open that refrigerator one day, one, once a day to get that milk out. And, and what they fought for was who's going to open up the refrigerator. All the kids wanted to ride a shotgun in the car. Back then, they wanted to be willing to open the refrigerator. That was so exciting, so new. And so you're coming from an age like that of, of just a simple life and, and what we've gone to now. We've lost uh, our ability to, to grasp uh, the significance. And our league is a simple thing of making Mariana's watch turn backwards, which meant that what I just said about Israel, about God and how much she did it. And then after that, the cycle of salvation, the, the end of time, as we, the church teaches us, it was the end of uh, our last times. That was, that was started when Jesus came and brought salvation for us. And, and we've thrown that out the window as a people, really. Always say, yeah, I'm redeemed, I'm saved, I'm born again, whatever, you're, however you term what you want to term. And yet, as a society and as a world, we've rejected that. We've lost it. And, and so I can picture Jesus feeding with the 12 baskets and leaning on a tree with his arm folded and letting the apostles take the baskets around and just watching with a smile on his face that 
the level of indignation when they desecrate the crucifix and put it in things that I won't even mention on the air, which you many of you can recall in art and in New York in the 70s and into the 70s, that it was over. You start doing that, you think God's going to let things continue? And, and Our Lady says, give me time. Give me time, my son. God the Father, give me time. No, man doesn't deserve it. I know, but let me have time with him. No, there's no more time. It's over. Then let me back up time. We know that the Revine, that he said that had these apparitions not happened, the world would have destroyed itself. Would have destroyed itself. So if it would have destroyed itself, well, we're at that point at the end of the end of the seventies and in the uh, early eighties. You know, Russia wanted to, to just nuke us. Uh, I think it was in 1984. At the end, no, no, maybe it was later eighties, but sometime at one point they knew what Reagan did in his actions. That they were at the, that they had no choice. They said we can either go ahead and send, you know, nuke the United States and try to do something from that standpoint, or we can let the Russia, the the Soviet Empire fall. And they, one guy, one Politburo man stood up and said, um, "We can't do this." And he gained hold of the meeting. The other guys were drinking and everything. And they were going to make this decision. This is in the book Reagan's War. It's a fascinating read. Read it. But this also is part of Our Lady's plan. Our Lady, Our Lady, this is all part of Our Lady's work. And so Our Lady has this time, and we're on a timetable. God's given us this time. And I'm convinced that she wasn't supposed to stay here the land that she was staying. It was, it was a test. Can you get the people? Can you find the people in Sodom? I'll give you time. And she's found more. She's bought more time for us. And she said, this is my time. This is her words. There's a message. Look it up. This is my time. Actually, here it is right here. It's fascinating. January 25th, 1997. Listen to this message when she talks about her time. Listen to the context of what this is put in. I didn't realize this until I just glanced down here on this piece of paper. I invite you to reflect about your future. You are creating a new world without God only with your own strength. That is why you're unsatisfied and with that joy in your heart. This time is my time. Does that blow you away? I didn't plan to say that. I just glanced and saw that. So this time is a special time given to Our Lady. And this, this sign of the watch running backwards is, is she's bought us time that we didn't have. Time was over for us. And so she's bought us God's mercy in a way that that reflects today in this message, she said, reflects God's greatness of what the way is being opened up to us. She's given us another way to relearn the price of Christ and the sacrifice of the Mass. So she brought Mass in this because what is the Mass about? Mass is about sacrifice, the greatest sacrifice. And so the whole message opens up in a, in a profound way about climbing the hill of salvation. It's tough, it's hard, and you're in a society that's got you so entangled and you're so into the progress that you're not reflected on your future. And I'm trying to show you, you're like a little kid, a five-year-old has been given a gun. You don't have the wisdom to use it. You don't have the wisdom. We don't have the wisdom to use the progress that's in front of us today. And the safest thing to do is do what they did in the building who was saved at 9-11. It's be close to the ground. And I, I, I had this walking from the field the other day. I thought, I was thinking about all this, about exponentialism and, and profusion. And on the secular side, and where God's put us as a people after praying for, for 21 years here. We, our, our homes are close to the soil. 
our thinking, our conversations at suppers about uh, them planting Milo and 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 something with the hogs here or something. We're not doing that to save ourselves. We're doing that because that's the way we're supposed to live because Genesis says, by the sweat of your brow shall you eat. That's safe ground. That's holy ground. That's good ground. That's where you need to be. We did a show you should listen to and stream. I don't know what the date is on that. It was the January 25th show of 2008. Restream it. It's about good ground. It's about doing these things. This is where you need to be in the future. This is the future, I'm telling you. And now we've got something we didn't have before. I only had the messages before, and that's enough. That was enough for us to make our move. But if it takes more for you to be moved, move me or move. You got that song, you should go get it. <laughs> uh, what's the name of it? Move or move me? Move. Move. I don't think we've played it before. Get that song if you can. But um, you got commercial? <laughs> go commercial and you run out the door, John. confront when someone speaks in error? Or do you become quiet to avoid being disliked, disenfranchised, or shunned? Are you intimidated about spreading and expressing your faith? Many Christians are buying the lie of darkness that they can't bring faith to the workplace, their schools, their life. Watching evil take place all around them and not stepping up to contradict it is termed quietism. Quietism was deemed a heresy by the church several centuries ago. People had accepted and tolerated many things, not agreeing with them, but looking the other way. Centuries later, today, quietism is slowly creeping in everywhere, even to the point that Christians squirm in their seats when religion is discussed in public. Often, yourself and many others practice this heresy, contributing to the world's demise. Read Quietism, an important writing that will convict, making you want to take greater responsibility in responding to the call to convict. Be a witness and an apostle in a world growing more and more in darkness. Many who read it say they will never be silent again. Order on medj.com, spelled mej.com, and click on MedgeMart, or call in the U.S. 205-672-2000. You're listening to Radio Wave with a friend of Medjugorje. So we have we have our lady coming, and, and I was talking about being moved before the commercial break, and and uh, by something we've played before in the community because sometimes we need an impulse to move. The whole, the whole purpose of this phone is breaking down is to move us in a position to open ourselves to the eternal joy of, of life. And you know, when when you everything's going your way, everything's going perfect. You don't need God. And even if you're a devout Christian, you're going to mass. Your prayers are different. When there's a crisis happens to you, even if you're a daily communicant, there's a, there's a difference that happens to you when you uh, have a difficulty. Your mass is going to be deeper. Your prayers are going to be deeper. It's just our nature. Uh, we've done this in the mission. When things are going perfect, it, it's harder to, to, 
to have the incentive to pray with the heart. You have to work at it, and we, and, and we don't excuse ourselves not being doing that, but our prayer is definitely different when we when we got crosshairs on us and we're, we're, we've got some, something come up or we need to do this or need to do that. It, it's just human nature. And so God gives us things that move us, and this, to me, this book uh, is a real mover that for those who haven't wanted to step out that you need to start moving. You know, ask God to move you. I can't find the words to pray. I'm a little down today. Can you help me? Can you hold me? taught me no matter what you'd understand Lord move in the way that I've never seen before there's a mountain in the way
So God gives often things to move us, move our spirits, move our hearts. And sometimes when those are sufferings and difficulties, it really moves us to prayer, moves us to change. There's two points I want to come back to. I never finished because we're covering so much ground. One was about, we were talking about mobility earlier about cars and how in the 60s and 70s we just accepted the transportation and how we were talking about the refrigerator and then how people used to follow airplanes. And when they, I was, the point I was going to is, is where they had, um, they were following, uh, it was a fascination with cars and it still is today, but much stronger in some ways in the 60s and 70s. And we didn't foresee anything wrong with that. It, it was just progress. It was just so wonderful. We didn't have any downsides to that. Sunday drives and all this stuff. But we know now that this broke up family. This broke up community. Mobility has, has, has disrupted the, the flow of family. Nobody stays home and nobody's, nobody's at supper. Nobody's on, on Sundays. They're all going their different ways. This is a result of mobility. And so we didn't calculate that part of the fallenness in this grand thing that, that is wonderful. I mean, I went three hours from here uh, today, this earlier, and then drove back to the show. To the show, left my wife and kids, and uh, my my son and daughter-in-law uh, at a place up, up in the mountains. But I'd come back for the show, so I'm, I'm separated from them. But the point I'm making is, it's wonderful that I was able to come back and do this. The other point that I wanted to, to cover before the show ends tonight uh, was that Joan had said a question about God. Uh, we were talking earlier about God, Ali's grace, about, you know, she's with us and stuff like that. Uh, and these kinds of things, Ali's with us, she's walking with us, and, and this is the grace. And I'm, I'm absolutely convinced that, that when I was speaking earlier about that uh, had Ali not come, the world would have destroyed itself, that, that the system of exponentiality is so massive, so uh, exponentially at such light speed, it can only it can't be calculated now, in time, other than like we would do light years. It, it, they don't even have a formula for that. And Swinson talks about that, that it's moving at such a rate, that with that rate moving like that, that we, it, to me, it's impossible that the system is intact. It's totally impossible, except that God is holding it up. Now, you say, is this a God that God accepts? No. Um, you know, it can't be, we can't think that God, uh, either historically or even, you know, for spiritual reasons, that God's going to suspend the laws of fallenness uh, because, in the, for the sake of progress. Why would God do that? He's not going to do that. You know, are we, are we, man would think that, that, oh, this is so great, God's, God's not going to let something fall. You know, and the only reason that God might honor progress is if it brought him glory. That's what Ali was referring to. You know, you created a world without God, as if you're your own creator. Had we done God and grew in the right way, God would honor our progress. But we've minus God out of the factor. Now, I believe personally God is actually holding the system together right now. I think we're already unglued. And this parallels saying that if our lady hadn't come, the world would have destroyed itself. I I deeply and convicted in my heart in the messages and, and, and through prayer and through years of, of being doing what I'm doing that that the system is being held together not because it's a virtuous system actually it's got so much fallenness in it that it's, that, it's, that, that it's like a glass of water pure water three glass you know a drop of arsenic poisons the whole bottle the whole glass and so we, we, we've got that element 
with the good or the progress, we've got so much fallenness in it that, that there's no way God, I can see that God can grace it to hold it up, except out of mercy for our own reasons and good. He's allowing that because nobody left on earth the system coming glue. We're just too far from the soil. We're too far and too integrated the way we live to be able to survive through it. So it's God's mercy that's holding the system, that not because it's got virtue in it, because in his mercy, he's allowing us and our lady at time to open up a new way, a new way to live amidst this technology, how to, how to deal with this stuff and get out of the building and get on good ground. The further you are away from the technology or, or the advances of the progress, not that you can't use it, but the further you are in and being totally dependent on it, if the system comes down, the safer you are in the way you live. And we, I know our lady's led us the way we live, and I know she wants to open that up for you. And so that's what she's trying to move you for. So the only possible reason for God to honor progress would be that if this honored him, and nobody's going to be able to say that this system honors him. Well, you got every, every day millions, trillions of 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 seconds being wasted on cell phones when nobody's talking to God. All that, how much conversation can be going to God? You know, so and that's just one element of that. So um, you, you've got these elements of this that when you start looking at the whole overall picture, it's, it's literally fascinating. I just had a comment that in the early days of Medjugorje, I know you spoke about this often when you were bringing groups uh, often to Medjugorje in the early days of Caritas being started, was that it just wasn't Our Lady's apparitions. It w just wasn't her words, but that Medjugorje itself was a witness that you were, uh, you actually saw horse and carts in the streets of Medjugorje on dirt roads that you saw families living to the ground to such an extent that they were self-sufficient and that shocked you coming from the western world in the the time that we we're living in today and seeing almost in a different time a, a whole people that in their civilization and their culture were completely living something that you you didn't have a concept that people were still living today I was amazed. I was amazed because I'd been conditioned and believed and raised in, in my environment, and like everybody else, that that if you wanted to have a live on the land, you had to have a hundred acres. And I was shocked to see that the people were totally living on two acres of land. You know, we'd been conditioned. If you lived out west, you had to have one cow per fifteen acres. And if you lived here in the south, we had to have, with our lushness and rain and the way things grow, you had to have one cow per acre. You know, in Medjugorje, they didn't even have an acre for a cow. They just put a chain around his neck and found a patch of grass. Duh. <laughs> you know, we, we just, we're not even thinking. And actually, we've adopted that here. When our, when our dairy cows need something or, or our pasture runs low here, we just go on the side of the road and put them out there. Grass is free there. It's growing. What I'm saying is, is I was shocked. I was literally shocked at how good people were eating and living by it. In fact, I just had a conversation while Maria was here about this. I said, well, there's ever times that y'all had uh, droughts. Maybe we talked about this on there a little bit. I don't, I don't remember. But anyway, Maria, I said, Maria, tell me some stories. What did y'all do if you didn't get the proper rain in Medjugorje when you was a kid? What happened when y'all were so isolated as a little village, so far remote? What did what did y'all do? Did y'all ever go hungry or drought? Because, you know, I'm thinking like out west or 29 or even south, my granddad, how we were doing. But see, we were in, in the 1900s, my granddad, we were in a progressive system. 
So there were real shortages of different things. In Medjugorje, she says, no, we never went hungry. I says, you're kidding. I said, what about it was dry? She says, well, we had cisterns. In other words, they lived prepared. They lived ready. They knew there was things that happened. They knew there were hiccups in the system. So they continued to eat because they, they lived that way. And knowing that there'd be something come up, and they had the remedy in their little system. And I believe this very strongly, this is what God's calling us to do in the future. You know, people say, gosh, how do we get out of the rat race we're in and get into that? I did it. I had a company. I was going full blast, 27 employees, 26 employees. And, you know, you can do it. You just got to decide to do it. And that's what's the problem today. And, and people in fear, they, they're motivated by fear to do things. And that's not what you're supposed to do. I didn't, motiv- I didn't make my moves because of fear. I just knew I wasn't living right. I wanted to live a better way. To reiterate this point about the fear, uh, and I don't know if anyone caught that earlier in the show, the question regarding fear. Our Lady has continued to speak to us, and uh, a friend of Medjugorje brought this point up, that Our Lady continues to speak to us and to tell us not to fear the future and uh, to fear what is to come in messages like those who pray or the one who prays is not afraid of the future. And But our future that we, Our Lady is telling us not to be afraid of is a future that uh, we are causing because of fear. And uh, some of the technologies and the things that we have accepted in uh, our in our lives um, has, 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 has been because of fear. We have a saying here in the community about technology we say it. We use it. It doesn't use us. And this is the the our the messages, the slant of the messages uh, put into our life about technology. Uh, but uh, we're we're seeing things today that we that were solutions to problems or so-called solutions to problems. And if there were the commercial earlier today, as go God's people, so goes the world. I encourage you to go and to order that booklet or to call Caritas and to order that booklet. We'll give you more details near the end of the show, but. Uh, that booklet speaks about uh, that um, uh, that we as a people uh, have have got to accept God in, into the way of life, and uh, and the messages being placed into uh, our way of life. And so, uh, that being said, uh, we're seeing things today that a good example is milk. Uh, you know the diseases and everything that was brought up with with uh, the way they were doing things instead of turning to God. Uh, and, you know, sanitary things, cleanliness is next to godliness. Uh, it was all they had to do. And now, because of pasteurization and other things, we're seeing that there's a lot of health defects because of that. But not to get into that, uh, just to bring out, illustrate the point that uh, we're turning to man, um, as like even the novena that says that uh, what we're praying right now, uh, man turned to man with hopelessness as opposed to turning to God with hope. Well, I think we... We realize, you know, that the world is a defective place. It's a fallen place. You know, things go wrong. It happens all the time. You're going to wake up tomorrow and you're going to see things that fallenness just shows up unexpectedly. You know, it makes a sudden appearance and, and uh, in whatever course of events you'll be doing tomorrow, the next day and the next day. And so we don't factor these things in. We think progress, as we get progress, you know, the vaccines, penicillin. A lot of people die from penicillin. They have reactions to it. You know, there's fallenness in penicillin. Dr. Swenson asked about about innocent things. He wrote about a toothpick. He says, you know, what about a toothpick? Well, he says, a toothpick can, you know, cause bacteria to get in your gum, go to your heart, and you die from it. So there's a fallenness in, in an innocent toothpick. Who would ever think about that? So everything has this fallenness, and, and, it, and, it, and it is unforeseen. You can't know that um, the result of, 
uh, acid rain or things that took place that, that we didn't know genetically how we alter something. You, you just don't know the variables. When you understand fallenness, then you realize, you know, that we have something that we're in difficulty as far as the future. That the example I gave earlier, I found what Swenson on the on the song a little while ago. I found exactly what he wrote about the Pacific Ocean, which I was a little bit wrong about that, but I still think it's worth repeating because it's fascinating about exponentiality. Uh, when it's exponential, the exponential change that is caused by this rapidity of of how quickly things start happening toward the end. He said the Pacific Ocean spans 64 million square miles and on average is 14,000 feet deep. If all the continents of the world were placed inside of it, there'd still be room for another Asia. So he asked the question, assume the Pacific dried up and it is our job to fill it. If we begin with a single drop of water and continue doubling the amount, how many doublings would it be necessary to refill the ocean? The answer is 80. What I was wrong about was this. He says, so the question is how full the ocean is at the 70th doubling. The answer is less than one-tenth of one percent. That's amazing. So you're going 70 times doubling and nothing basically has happened. So the he says the implications should be apparent. If the thesis outlined here is conceptually correct, the collapse would happen in the last fraction of time. So the age as we know it, uh, we're, we can see an explosion coming. Just something nuclear as far as, I don't mean necessarily a nuclear explosion, but I mean catastrophic in the sense of life as we know it changing. And our lady couldn't be coming if there wasn't something going to happen with life as we know it. So to kind of summarize as we end everything, you know, the growth of perfusion currently is increasing so dramatically, Swenson says, that it, there is no other measurable commodity in human experience that can accommodate such a growth rate. This leaves us with an unprecedented phenomenon unlike any the world systems has ever experienced before in history. So he goes on to say that once a certain critical mass of negative has accumulated, it will reach the threshold of lethality. At this point, the entire system will be doomed no matter how much positive has been compiled. It makes no difference if we have 10 units of good and a 1,000 units or a trillion units of good. Lethality will still win. That same potential threshold of lethality exists for the world system is undeniable. The only uncertainty comes assessing, rather, the only uncertainty comes with assessing how far into the future such a threshold lies. How long will it take us to get there and reach? And what can be done to prevent it from colliding with it? But from a mathematical point of view, we're approaching it very rapidly, and the speed and continuously is the speed rather is accelerating uh, uncontrollably. So to sur summarize this, the world is always and unavoidably experiencing increased perfusion, and what. The second thing is, with each new level of perfusion, we have much new positive, but unavoidably a fallen world will also have a much more new negative. Again, another point is the growth of positive is rapidly, approximately, or exponentially growth, but the corresponding growth of negative is also alarmingly rapid. The next point, once the quantum, this critical mass of negative reaches a certain threshold of lethality, it will prove fatal for the world system. No amount of positive can offset this negative and the impending lethality. We have no possible option to continue in this fatal direction 
because of our total dependency on progress. So it's clear, the negative of exponential growth can't go on without the entire weight of the system collapsing in on itself. And of course, I'm just highlighting some things from this. I'm not going deep into the book. The book, uh, actually, this is one book I would mind carry to, uh, handling and, and moving. I think it's important in parallel to the messages. It's called Hurtling Toward Oblivion by Dr. Richard Swenson. And he, in fact, maybe Monday, if you people want to call, we'll see about carrying the book itself. We'll let you order it from us. We'll call because we, uh, we deal with a lot of book wholesalers. But uh, I think it's important for you to read, and it'll give you greater insights to the message. Don't think everything religious is the only thing that's going to give you insight to the messages. Forty years before Christ was born, uh, a pagan prophesied Jesus coming. He talked about this new child would come. He would, he would be the lamb. He would bring a new era to the world. But So sometimes God reaches in, in the heart of a pagan. Of course, this man's a Christian, but he's using secular things to prove something that, that as, as followers of Our Lady and what she's leading us to. We see. So I was fascinated. I was just uh, really excited about reading this book and quickly catched on and latched on to it because it's truth. I don't have to be convinced of some theory or something. I know this is this is happening. I've, I know it's, it's going to happen. And I know our ladies said another message, which I haven't quoted. It says, I lead you into a new time, a time in which you'll get to know God better. When do you know God better? When it's very difficult. Who knows God the most? People who are close to the soil. Speaking all across France, the places the most godly was uh, Brittany. Brittany. Brittany is the place, uh, the whole place of farmer region. They farm there. And they depend on God, not the government, not everybody else. They're close to the soil. And so there's, there's a closeness to that. And there's something for you that have gardens, you get something come, there's something actually uh, mysteriously you feel when you work the soil. And that's the consolation. A peace that comes with that. It's hard. It can be difficult. And I'm not saying anybody's got to go back and do hoes. We can use technology even working in the ground, but we we shouldn't be doing corporate farming. We shouldn't be doing farming to make money. We should be doing farming. And, and I don't want to say farming. I don't want to call it farming. We're to work the soil. We're not just, we don't, we're not farmers here. We're doing subsistence living. We live, our subsistence comes from the soil. We want to get more toward that because it's life. It's really good for our children. It's healthy. Their sports is out there wrestling down a calf or, or at Rosary, some calves got out the other day yesterday, I think it was yesterday, day before yesterday and all the kids run over there and chase them back in. It's, it's part of their life and it's a joy. It's a joy watching them as we say the Rosary do these things. It's a richness to us because God ordained it. It's the only occupation ordained by God. The only. Jesus was given carpentry, but but they, they still had the, their garden. You know, it, it's, it's man's tied to that and the further you get away from it, the further you get away from God. One thing to mentioned before the end of the broadcast this evening is that our next live broadcast will be August 5th at 7 p.m. That's Tuesday. It's coming Tuesday, and we'll be rebroadcasting for you uh, the production Remember When It Rained, which is about uh, the uh, birthday apparition, that our miracle in our field here of uh, August 5th, 2005. Um, on Monday, which is August 4th, at Mary's Eve, what we've called Mary's Eve, the vigil feast of Our Lady's birthday, uh, the Marian Mysteries will be available to be re restreamed. 
uh, along with uh, the download of the Marian Mysteries, uh, which is a special set of mysteries that was put together specifically for Our Lady's Birthday, Special Mysteries of the Rosary. Those will be available for you uh, to download on Monday, along with uh, the being able to listen to uh, the Marian Mysteries. And, of course, again, the broadcast at 7 p.m. Central Time at uh, on Tuesday, August uh, 5th. Uh, before we end, uh, also, too, uh, we mentioned uh, we give you some details about uh, ordering some of the materials. As go God's people, so goes the world. You can order this through the MedgeMart on Medge.com, or you can order it uh, by calling uh, Caritas at uh, 205-672-2000 USA. Again, 205-672-2000 uh, USA. Uh, something else, another booklet that a friend of Medjugorje wrote in 2001 uh, was written for the 20th anniversary of the apparitions. It's called 20 Years of Apparitions. Uh, we encourage you to order this along with As Go God's People, So Goes the World. A lot of what we have spoken about this evening uh, has uh, was covered, uh, that would be seven years ago, uh, covered seven years ago in uh, in this booklet and uh, it's amazing to see how uh how prayer and living our lady's messages you'll be able to see some of these things and i just want to quote real briefly something in the in the front of this booklet uh, that a friend of medjugorje wrote actually in 1999 and it was called time 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 i'm not going to read it all for you uh, but i will read something uh, a little brief excerpt out of it and basically i'll, I'll just read this a uh, small section that uh, pertains specifically to what we've spoken about uh, tonight. Uh, and it says, uh, Were they uh, lives ancient by our ways, uh, who never saw the dawn of modern times haunt us from the past with the question, were they better off having lived in a safer, less complex time? Sin knows no barrier of time, for it transcends time. It was there in the heart of the primitive man and his club, the archer facing the castle for ill gain, and the munitions expert firing a missile with an ill heart, just as it was and is today, and the heart of he who cheats his measurements of goods by scales with the counterweight of rocks, then iron, and now electronics. Though there are forbidden fruits today, sin comes from the heart, and as time is built into millenniums by seconds, the monstrous sins of the present were built one sin at a time. The accumulation of sin is amassed to the point when, in another time, God sealed the door of the ark. O door of our time! Where are you? But in the opening of Our Lady's mantle. And so this can be ordered. Uh, this booklet, 20 Years of Apparitions, can be ordered along with uh, As Go God's People, So Goes the World through medj.com, through the Medjmort, or by calling Caritas, 205-672-2000-USA. And there's something that always impressed me about Maria. She said one time that uh, you know, once you're converted, it's very, very difficult to go to heaven if you're not studying the lives of the saints and reading about them because there's so many things Satan throws you, so many curveballs throughout the day that you need to see their their lessons and how they dealt with things. And and uh, even in our community, I mean, Our Lady, thankfully, has been with us and and uh, we were we didn't have a plan for the community. We didn't have a plan for our way of life. And one thing Our Lady's done with us here is that she's she's dropped us in the jungle, but but thankfully for our apparitions here and so being close to Maria and just understanding Our Lady, we've been able to cut the trail. So there is a plan, there is a path that you can follow, but uh, you've got to read, you've got to study, and, and sometimes just like this book, um, Hurling Toward Olivia, things like this, because I'm not into a lot of this um, doomsday, end of the world type stuff. And this is not about that. It's the end of our age is what he's talking about. Life as we know it is about to change. And I'm, I've been absolutely convinced of that through the messages themselves. So here it is. We've got this side of it, and it's, and it's literally... A, 
consoling that we we've got that now supporting us that we're on the right path. Not that we were in doubt, but it, it just strengthens your faith. Ivan once was told on Our Lady, and he sees Our Lady every day now. This is in the earlier days, but he's seeing Our Lady every day, and Our Lady tells him on Apparition Mountain, now I'll give you something to strengthen your faith. And he looks up and he sees a light go from the steeple to the cross. But what did he need that for? He's seeing Our Lady every day, but sometimes we need things to straighten our faith. We've been following Our Lady, and you have too, many of you, for a long time. But it's good for things to, to invigorate, to, to call us back to some organic part of the message or, or the way. And this book will do that. And hopefully what I said tonight and some of the things we covered uh, with Joan and Riaz and, and us discussing this will we'll, we'll give you uh, an impulse to, to become strong and make those moves uh, that God can move you to where you need to be. So tonight what we do is, as always, is we'll pray for you after this show and we ask that you remember us in prayer we especially are in this retooling of the tabernacle it's very important we need your prayers for this to move hearts to fund this if you don't know about it you can write and call Caritas we wish you Our Lady we love you good night <laughs>